1: Hello and welcome to Troy Noon's is an absolute podcast. I'm here after a week of, well, a whole lot going on, but also nothing in the Syracuse sports world. Uh, with me as always, Andy Pregler and Christian Guzman. What's going on, guys?
0: One of the few weeks where we're like, uh, uh and it's still the middle of the season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's so. it's
2: we are in the no man's land where I'm fully aware that There's probably like a hundred of you actually listening to this with somewhat regularity because it's been so ingrained into some kind of habit and we very much appreciate you. That being said, this week was not a week where we can provide some joy with the actual on the field results because let's just get this out of the way off the top. Uh, Nobody on this podcast lost 14 to 12, but you should check on your loved ones because they probably lost something in their life 14 to 12 because that was the theme of this week. Both men's and women's lacrosse teams lose 14 to 12 in their respective contests. Men uh, midweek and the women uh, on Saturday. The problem, well, actually both of the losses, so they're both kind of problems. The difference is, is that one loss was expected and 14 to 12 is actually pretty pleasant. And there's some room for some optimism in that result. The other, not so much. So, do we want to start with the hope or and then crush our dreams? Or do we build Do we build to the hope?
0: Crush, uh, Steve is crush shaking it and his head.
1: Crush it and build, man. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, you
0: know the MO of this podcast already. Come on, we always start with the negatives. It's, 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 the, the
1: it's the upstate New York nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it actually really is, isn't it? It's it's the way it's the we got we got to get through the winter first and then get to I the mean, spring. there's only so much
0: there's only so much an auto cost that can shield you from the negativity that is central New York. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's there's a story there that is inappropriate to air because I need to make sure I can say it
1: um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but sounds like the...
0: fair content
1: <laughs> Exactly QQ <Nope>. Q- <laughs> the <laughs> Yeah, B- <nope. laughs> note to self record the post show <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: The men's lacrosse team lost to the Albany Great Danes 14 to 12 uh, this is not an Albany team with the Thompson trio of uh, cousins or familial members on there that is ranked and really good and losing to them is expected. This is an unranked Albany team that is nowhere near the national power that they had at their peak. Uh, the men losing 14-12, to 12, I won't say completely kills their chances at the postseason because... It's the ACC. Pretty much every game they play offers them an opportunity to rebuild the resume. But things are looking really bleak at the moment. Christian, uh, as the resident kind of lacrosse landscape expert relative to the rest of us, it does seem like similar to last year where one more loss officially puts the nail in the coffin. But there's, there's enough to say that if Syracuse won out, you probably... Have to put them in the field because
0: they won out against who they're going to end up playing. Yeah, exactly. That's the good thing about Syracuse, the Crossers in general, is that they always, like you say, play a tough schedule, and like the rest of their games are against ranked opponents. So every single game is against you know a team that gives you a chance to build a resume, like you said. If they win out, theoretically, if they win out, they finish at eight and six, and based on the wins, you put them in the tournament. Yeah, if uh, it's the, the, the problem is number six, Cornell num- at number 15, North Carolina, and then you finish at home a- against Virginia and Notre Dame. Great. You finish at home against them, which, you know, is probably a little bit OK, but like, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's not not phenomenal at this point. And I, I can say this, uh, Christian, you'll be proud. This is the first time I've tip to tail been able to catch a game this year. Uh, so I did watch mm-hmm. the entirety of that mess. Uh, one thing that does need to be predicated is they did have to take Noah's Ark down the throughway to get to Albany because it was pouring the entire game.
0: It was, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. But
1: it was pouring for both teams. Uh, so it was It was a miserable game all around. Yeah. Um, the I, I I know nothing about lacrosse, and I could tell you through the first three quarters, they were just iso-balling the hell out of everything, and it was not working. There was no mm-hmm. off-ball movement. There was no anything that was pushing the offense in a direction other than uh, give it to one person, usually Dordovic or Curry, and just let them do something.
0: Um, yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about this offense this year is that it's, hey, Tucker, hey, Brendan do something right. and if it doesn't work then it's okay well we've lost all the time on a shot clock let's just fire something at goal and it doesn't work uh when you take a look just then plain look at the stats it's 52 shots for Syracuse 30 for Albany but then shots on goal is 27 for Syracuse and 25 for Albany so they took 22 more shots and only two more went on goal
1: that's that's not great
0: no no no, that and I, seems
1: less than ideal on every front. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and I will say, um, just judging by uh, what we were talking about there, I, I'm pretty positive that Gary Gate is not a Syracuse basketball fan. Mm, because no. if he was, he would understand that this does not work in any way, shape, or form. But here we are. So yeah, now towards the end of that game, things they did start moving they did start you know picking up the play a little, but they didn't do anything to stop what Albany was doing. So while they while they pinched it closer and you know brought it back to a two goal game uh it was it was interesting because it was I think it was a like six goal spread at one point and uh you know they 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 actually turned it up a notch significantly, but didn't do
0: anything to really slow Albany down so. That's where you end up where you end up. And that's the problem with this Syracuse team is that, yeah, there's going to be offensive lulls here and there, and um, and I think every team is going to have offensive lulls here and there. The thing is that this defense isn't quality enough to hold most teams, and that's where this problem lies, is that, that Duke performance where they held Duke to 10 goals is an anomaly, unfortunately. And that is just kind of where we're at with the Syracuse defense. And... it's it's going to take a while to rebuild it back up.
2: Yeah. That was really where I I wanted to kind of go next with this, is that uh, it seems like this is the second year in a row where we're asking what went wrong. Last year's team had a lot of off-the-field issues, along with injuries, along with the obvious on-the-field results. And Christian, I know that one of the things that you were really hyped about going into this season was just the coaching staff assembled, is one that should be able to fix pretty much any problem that the game of lacrosse could possibly present, because it's some of the best lacrosse minds out there. That being said, it does appear that these issues are much deeper seated than simply get a new coach to get a new system in there. Like we're we're dealing with a whole talent pip- pipeline issue, depth issues, and a execution issue.
0: Yeah, because right now both. When you take a look at both years, um, you had one good close defender um, last year, Mitch Wyckoff. This year, Brett Kennedy. You have one good long stick midfielder last year, Brett Kennedy. This year, Sam Alexo. And then everything else is just a question mark. The other two close defenders aren't great, and when and the other and the short stick defenders just aren't pulling their weight sometimes, and. Short-stick defenders, you can understand at times, but you have to have them perform a bit more. Right. And the big the big problem is the close defenders. Is um, When you don't have two of them performing to the level that you need them to, that's where the problems secure. And unfortunately, there hasn't been a great cohesive close defender unit ever since Nick Mellon, Tyson Bombary, Marcus Cunningham back in like 2017. Yeah. So, it's it's hit and go. Now
1: that said, there are also only two incoming defensemen. So it seems <laughs> like um, seems like Mr. Gate may want to be hitting the transfer portal. That's that would, that would that
0: would seem like a good idea, Steve.
1: Yeah, I'm not a doctor, but. Um, that, 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 that's probably where it's going to end up and, you know, we'll see what we can, what we can grab as, uh, as things go. Yeah. I
2: think that the, those are kind of where we're at right now, which stinks, but like the reality of the situation is that, yeah, this is clearly, uh, a deeper issue that's going to require some work. It's going to require some finessing from Gate and his staff, um, but ultimately, um, this year is probably for all intents and purposes done when it comes to the postseason. It's going to be about, you know, trying to stay strong in these last few games, maybe pull an upset here or there, just, just be a difficult team to play against and really kind of show if you're on the team, you know, that you, that you could step up and potentially have a bigger role uh, uh, next year um, based off of just, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to, it's, this is not going to be an easy fix. Um,
1: oh, I, on I the... can say though, I did look at the recruiting, we are maintaining our Tucker quota.
0: Mm, we have Tucker uh,
1: Kellogg coming in in the midfield when we're losing Tucker Doradovic. So, we, may, do,
0: do, we, do we maintain our Oregon quota, though?
1: Uh, Mount Sinai, Trinity Pauling, Lawrenceville Hill, Salisbury. <laughs> New York, New York, New York, New York, New yeah. York. <laughs> Norwell, Garden City. Garden City is definitively not uh, Oregon. and uh, yeah. No, no, we
0: don't. Mm. Tis wow. a shame.
1: Well, we shame. upgrade our
0: spolinas. We do upgrade our spalinas tenfold.
2: <laughs> Your spalina has evolved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's,
0: good. that's good.
1: That's well. Speaking uh, of things that have evolved, yes, women's lacrosse
2: who lost fourteen to twelve. Uh, they lost fourteen to twelve to the number one team in the country, North Carolina. Uh, obviously, two goals against the number one team is a it's a good moral victory. Uh, I, You know, you talk to any of the players, you talk to the coaching staff, they're going to give you the, like, we wanted to win this game, like, we needed to win this game. Uh, the cool thing about the game is that the largest single game attendance record for a women's lacrosse game was set with just under 3,000 people attending. Official record is 2,907. So if you were there, congratulations at being part of a record-setting performance. Um, but... Overall, uh, it's a loss for Syracuse. It's a good loss. It gives you some hope that Syracuse could potentially hang with this team and those caliber teams come postseason. But Christian, as we look ahead to the rest of the Orange schedule, similar to the men, what do the women have to expect to finish out this season, but also once postseason starts playing? They're clearly in the driver's seat for not just a uh, tournament appearance, but potentially to be one of the more protected seeds, uh, just how the seeding works out.
0: Um, It's not so much more of what to expect in terms of what to do. And what to do is to take their star players and then find the closest bubble wrapping station Uh and put them in them immediately. Explain, Um, Christian, explain. (laughs) So the unfortunate thing for uh, this Syracuse once across team is that Emma Tyrell is out for the season with a lower body injury, which is um, more than likely not an ACL injury. We cannot confirm that, but it is more than likely not an ACL injury. So, the problem is, is that this is another year of what could be and what could have been for this Syracuse team, because you lose Sierra Cockrell, you lose Emma Tyrell, you lose Emma Ward. Now, it's not at the same level of losing Emily Harris-Chuck and Megan Kearney from last year, but you still can't afford to lose that many starters due to injury. Right. And Carney herself is still banked up with an ankle injury. I don't think she played the entire second half against uh, UNC. So, to have all those injuries and still hang within two to the number one team in the country is good, but unfortunately, it's, a lot of this is going to be what could have been for Syracuse. Yeah. It's... So to see out the season, bubble wrap. Yeah,
1: just just, you know, head down to Staples, buy them out mm-hmm. and just, you know, mm-hmm. put it all over the dressing room. Like yeah. it's the locker room needs to just be bubble wrap. There's no sharp corners, mm-hmm. no nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully at least their their forthcoming schedule bubble wraps them a little bit um yeah. with uh visit to Cornell, which, you know, yes, away game but also against, I think, currently in the 30s, Cornell, which that's manageable. Same thing with Louisville. Uh, they think they're in the mid-20s, uh, so we're back home against them and then home against UAlbany before they uh, all the bubble wrap comes off for the final game of the year because uh, I think BC is, th- well, three right now, maybe? Or pretty close something to like, it. Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, one loss on the year. Um, yep. So, and this is by RPI since that is out now. Uh, UNC is currently first, Syracuse second, Boston College third, uh, at eleven and one. So, I got a hunch there's going to be a lot writing on that last game of the season. Yeah.
0: Good luck stopping Charlotte North. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> about that. Well, you know, I, I think I think our head coach may know something about that team.
0: Yeah, you would like to hope. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> so I here's the hoping. And that's mm-hmm. that's about at this point what we've got for lacrosse. Yeah, the
2: uh I I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the women's lacrosse team is definitively in a space where I think we all feel a lot more confident uh in their potential outcomes. The the issue is that like we've seen so far is that There are two very big hurdles in front of them. Both of those hurdles uh, have historical, both recent and longer historical dominance over the orange. So it becomes the situation of like, man, if they're going to really do it, they're going to have to slay a dragon of some kind, and they're going to have to do it shorthanded. So not that it's impossible to do, but it would be a heck of a story if they did it. Um, So we'll have to see what happens there with the women. And overall, uh, I'm glad that at least one of the 14-2 to losses was um, not that uh, totally depressing. So we we were able to cover the bad news stuff first. Uh, we're not quite at the halfway point, but it feels like a good, to- uh, good time to mention our friends who sponsor this podcast, Home Field Apparel, makers of the comfiest uh, and coziest collegiate apparel that you are going to find on the interwebs. Uh, Whether you're a Syracuse fan, whether you're a fan of another school, big or small, there's a really solid chance that Home Field Apparel has a t-shirt, a hoodie, a pair of sweatpants, or a crewneck sweater that you would like to purchase with a great old school logo of that team on it. And if you want to do that, use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order uh, at Home Field Apparel. They're great. They're awesome. They are refreshing schools, so if you are a longtime listener, longtime home field apparel supporter, there's a good chance that you should pay attention to their Twitter account because they might be announcing some new gear for your favorite schools. Uh, No word from Connor on the Syracuse front, uh, except that he told me to stop asking for auto joggers. He has a family and a life, and he cannot respond to 10 emails a day. So, no auto joggers yet. Yet. Your wife don't
1: sending an email today to Connor.
2: <laughs> we don't. We this is why we have the are, burner email.
1: Are we, um, are we stooping to? Well, never mind. It worked, so let's stoop to no escalators <laughs> level.
2: <laughs> yeah. Listen, no escalators proved that
1: internet bullying works. Never forget that. If you want joggers, just annoy the hell out of someone until they give you joggers.
0: Why didn't and we do that too. with? Why didn't we do that with man to man defense this past season?
1: <laughs> because Jim doesn't know what the internet is.
0: That is a good point. You make good points. But, <laughs> you, you also... But that's contradictory statement because Jim Beheim uh, talks about breaking news on Cameo. So... <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's
1: just talking to his phone. He doesn't know where it goes. I mean, to be I, fair, he may, but <laughs> I'm just picturing this.
2: No, that was going to be my question, was that do you think that Jim actually knows what Cameo is or does he think that it's FaceTime? And he's just like chatting with somebody, like like he's chatting with a friend or something. And it's uh, you know, just I don't know. I have I have I cannot imagine that he actually knows what Cambio is. Yes, going, going
1: off what my parents would do. Yes, he has no clue. <laughs> so, um, speaking of things we didn't have any clue about, uh, these. St- State is apparently throwing money at syracuse university for 44 million total in dome upgrades did we yeah, hear, yeah. did we know about Upgrade. that we knew we knew phase two was a thing i don't yes. think we knew that uh that it was going to be coming from or partly coming from the state so uh 20 million. State, yeah. 20
0: million is coming from you right
1: and yeah. part of me is very happy for this and part of me is being the the crotchety old man saying get off my lawn uh and using taxpayer money. But then I also realized that it's much different than the bill stadium situation that I was mildly pissed about. So whatever. Yeah. I was going to say, it seems
2: like this is the Kathy Hawkel is just coming in and being like, you get a stadium, you get a stadium Mets <laughs> right. Yankees. Do you want another one? Like, <laughs> come on, we're giving them out. Take advantage. I imagine. I, Whoa. but like that, that's the thing is that it, it does. I will say that first again, Steve, you brought up a really good point. This is different than the Bills situation for a variety of different reasons. However, like number of zeros? <laughs> number number of zeros being the primary one, but also the fact of Syracuse's relationship with the state of New York and what it, they do provide for ESF, which is yeah. a state school. Hi. There's alumni. It, it's <laughs> it's exactly it's a very it's an entirely different scenario with who is actually going to be utilizing these assets and these facilities. Now What I will say for Syracuse that I think is really interesting about this, and like we've talked about this a bunch in the past with Dome stuff. um, the, The Dome definitively has a charm to it that is not in line with the way that most stadiums are going now. I typically like to refer to all stadiums as adult theme parks, where the idea is that you're trying to give these adults an experience that they can't get sitting in front of their TV. And the only way to do that is with amenities that they
1: don't have at their home.
0: Well, so that's talking- why there's a roller coaster at the top. Okay. Exactly. exactly.
2: I,
1: I can confirm that. Or, <laughs> well, it was confirmed, I believe, that the troughs are saying, staying. So there is an experience you cannot get at home.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Build your own trough with Steve Haller coming to YouTube next week. Uh, kidding, that is not S- happening.
1: Sadly, the Syracuse fan base would probably watch.
0: Watch that they would, they would.
2: Oh,
1: man, <laughs> I'm all podcast in. topic for the future. Check. <laughs> do you think Kevin will let me put that up on the Nunes feed? Because I don't, I don't know.
2: Oh wait, no, I'm, know the one,
1: I'm the one that controls the YouTube. We're good. <laughs> yeah, he, he can say
2: no, but he can't get in there. Uh, the one, the one thing that I do think is kind of interesting is the uh, we were. There's going to get. They're going to get rid of the the, the benches and replace them with seats, which. I, it makes sense. I know that the benches kind of allow for some finagling of numbers, especially in the student section. I know that the benches are not the most comfortable thing for everybody else, so part of me kind of wants to see them keep the benches for the student section and get writ and then just have seats everywhere else. But do the, ben- the opposite, make it really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing that I am most uh, intrigued by with this is the connecting to the Barnes Center at the Arch. Um, Steve, uh, I'm going to go to you first for like the fan perspective on this, and then Christian for the student perspective, because I think there's two different things at play here. First, for the fans, um, this past year was a little bit different because of the COVID protocols that the Orange had coming in and out of the dome. So obviously, that created some congestion. Syracuse tried to alleviate that by having entry the checkpoints be further away from the main dome entrance so you basically went through two different checkpoints one for the COVID protocols and then one to actually check your ticket and get into the gate this barns connection makes me think that like there's state for those that might not know stadium control which is currently like basically the service dock entrance at the carrier dome is utilized for both like floor level vips teams Staff, mascots, cheerleaders, they all kind of go in through the press. They all kind of go through there. I'm wondering, and again, I'm curious just because you're more familiar with the layout of the dome. If connecting things to the barn center essentially allows for a new entry point for those kinds of specialized entries. Like where, like, does that kind of, do you think that that would make more sense? for like and that this uh attachment is not just for like quote-unquote student life stuff but is also for like a whole dome traffic congestion relief uh aspect of it uh
1: that's a weird one because yeah i i know the initial and if you think back to what the initial thoughts were was that archibald was going to be developed into a bunch of different eateries and all this other stuff and Forever abandoned as anything else other than a another arm of the dome, and it was just going to be like dome north, uh, and another function of the game day experience and all that. So I don't know. I don't know where that's evolved to or what has gone on with that. Uh, whether that's still going to be the main impetus of this whole thing, um, and I think a lot of that came from them not being able to blow out the giant concrete superstructure, uh, which, you know, when your entire building is a giant concrete superstructure, it makes it very tough to move said walls because, well, they're giant and concrete. Um, and now they're supporting a really, really large metal thing on the top of them.
0: Solar coaster! Yeah, I'm not, a str- <laughs> I'm not a
1: structural engineer, but I know enough math to know that that ain't going to work if you try and move the things from under the big heavy things. uh uh-huh. So I guess if they're pushing that as also part of if they're trying to drive people there, then it takes what you were talking about and kind of minimizes it. But if they're using it specifically for that, then sure. Um, It's also kind of a weird, weird entrance to get to from everywhere the parking is on campus. So I I don't know. Christian, what do you think from someone who's wandering around campus?
0: Um, Uh, Or has wandered around campus. There's still a decent amount of people who come from the east side, um, which is not where the majority of parking is. So uh, the north and the east side, where they're coming from the University Avenue garages, um, or they're coming from those tailgating lots uh, just north of Marshall Street, uh, if they're parking on south campus and taking the shuttles in. Um, So if you want, like, an extra VIP-type entrance on, like, that east, northeast, southeast side of the dome, I personally would like that because it's another great avenue to get <laughs> get in because it's kind of inconvenient to get to the west side of the dome sometimes. Um,
1: yeah, so I guess that would be the east. In, yeah. So in my brain, I, I was thinking... I, I had things a little twisted. I was thinking that the uh-huh. Barn Center was... Um, the barn center at the arch. That's just weird to think about. Um, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, was, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh, the. Uh, now that I'm looking at a map, it's a little bit... Because uh, where the buses yeah. drop you off from south, you can kind of filter uh-huh. down through there. So I guess, yeah, yeah. that could could kind uh-huh. of create a nice little atrium, yeah. like, uh-huh. entryway, whatever you want to do with that space.
0: Yeah, I mean... Like is is that space used for much nowadays? No, I mean it's kind of useless. Um, so could you use it for something better? Probably. It's just hard to see where it leads to because, like you said, it's a big concrete superstructure that's very supportive of the heavy things that are on top of it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to you know destabilize the rigidity and structure of the concrete superstructure. So you're saying I'm not going to go to the Barnes Center at the Arch and
1: play pickup anymore? Like I did twenty years ago.
0: Oh, you could probably still play pickup. I mean, do you have a <laughs> do you have a Syracuse or a SU or SUNY ESF ID still hanging around back there?
1: Actually, I did just find my ESF ID. <laughs> my son was looking through a bunch of old
0: drawers, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, <laughs> so, neat, yeah, neat." <laughs> yeah, so it's it's tough because again, the stoop that area doesn't have much use. It's mainly a foot traffic area, right? And it's it's also just tough to see what use it has in general if you build something there. Um. So, and I'm I'm maybe just talking out of my ass here, but like I don't notice too many traffic jams heading into the dome, honestly. No, they've, um, they've got
1: it down to a pretty decent science at this
0: exac- point. Ex- exactly. So, like, there's enough, there's enough entryways into the dome where, like, foot traffic isn't a problem. From what, like, I normally know, like, the only backup you see is the student section because there's, yep. there's only one entrance for the student section. But like everywhere else, yeah, it's pretty smooth sailing. So like, if you're doing this for a traffic flow issue. It would only maybe be to just give students another way to enter the dome, um, or again like a vi another VIP entrance, or you know, yeah. But, eh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, more to come. The the I I was always under the impression they were going to put seats in the lower bowl of the dome and keep the bleachers up top, but I don't know. We'll we'll see how it all ends up rolling out. Uh, apparently. I guess sooner rather than later, seeing it's in this year's budget. Yeah, um, apparently, yeah. It,
0: yeah, it could get it could get started as soon as this June.
1: So, uh, other things that are going to get started way quicker than we think they are. I'm just going to keep segueing horribly in between things. Uh, we, no, these, have... are good, these, are good these are these are good segways. These are these are these are plus uh, plus segways. They're All not right. elite, but they're plus. You know, it's the it's <laughs> it's the ESF in me. Uh, the uh... <laughs> New, new house be damned! I'll go across the the other side <laughs> of the
0: dome. We did, hold on, we, we 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 didn't talk about the dome also getting more five G technology. How awful is that going to be again?
1: Hello, <laughs> it's going to be about <laughs> as good as the audio is in the press box.
0: Oh my god, hey. Andy, 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 Andy. You, you, you 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 need to go to a you need to go to a football game at the I, dome very very I soon can... just to, just to experience that. So okay. when
1: I when I left the press box in the second half, Christian, I can confirm that in the actual
0: dome itself. It's not nearly as bad. Yeah, I can kind of confirm that as well. Because yeah. when I went down to the field to end the game, yep. it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Not great. It still sucks.
1: But yeah, it, the the press box it was literally like everybody's kind of looking at each other like what what are they what did they say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you couldn't hear anything. You would think that would be something that they would want us to hear, but whatever. Um, Maybe minor details. Minor details. So other minor details, Riley Dixon is still an NFL player. He's Woo! officially yeah. signed with the LA Rams. So
2: good. I mean, good for Riley. Also good for Riley to get paid on a team that just doesn't punt. Yeah. Like good for you. I yeah. wish I could have that job. Be the guy <laughs> who doesn't get used, It's like, the, but the you're contractually QB. obligated <laughs> to have
0: four, four, ten, four ten, 15,
2: go for it. Yep. I mean, you have Matt Stafford and Cooper cup. There's no reason not to, uh, Mathematically speaking, you are better off going for it than you are punting it. So, yeah. Uh, good for Riley. The I was going to say there's some other football news that came through this week on the Cruton Trail.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I done write it up this morning. Great. Talk to us. Rashad Perry. Uh, defensive Talk lineman. Talk also about this. 2023. Six, uh, three, 245 as a high school junior. If my brain serves me right, hopefully it does. Um uh-huh. And uh from Buffalo. So hey. from Barnett High School in Buffalo, he is uh lineman and a guard on offense. I think being primarily recruited as a D lineman because everything I've seen is he is a freak athletically. Um I, I he was like near the near the state lead in statistics. So uh overall uh unranked by the major services, but I think a really good under the radar get.
0: Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, one of my friends works at a uh, WKBV out in Buffalo, and he and he loves this guy. Yeah. Um, but basically, again, twenty four sacks last year. Um, yeah. No matter, football, <laughs> no matter what level, no matter what level football you are, pretty good. Um, he was part of the team that knocked out uh, CNS in the state semifinals. So, yes. um And. Yeah. Uh he told me he has room to he definitely looks like he has room to gain weight as well. And maybe head up to like maybe being an interior interior D lineman. If yes. you need him to be. Um I kind of joked like yeah, that kinda means he'll probably be a rhino type guy and he said, Please. Yeah. I would love that. Um I mean because kinda of, kind of from the pictures I've seen of him, kinda of profiles, kinda of very similar to Rhino. Um, maybe just 30 pounds lighter, right. which is not the worst thing in the world. No, and, and that, he, that'd be easy he enough plays, to put on in the yeah. couch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he um and he plays guard as a on the offense. So like, uh, you you got someone who's very who could be a, a very very good pick. I
1: think and to right.
0: satisfy all, and to satisfy all the, oh, Syracuse needs to recruit New York more. Well, there you go. Yep absolutely mm-hmm.
1: and uh of note in my research for writing the article uh Isaiah McDuffie the Packers linebacker uh went to that school as well mm-hmm. as the one and only Rick James so, Oh Rick oh. James the late the late Rick James should I say um okay so yeah Oh, cool uh either way uh it should be a should be a good get and definitely looking forward to uh seeing him down the orange next year or so um, here's hoping that, uh, nothing changes before, uh, National Signing Day. Uh, I was
2: gonna say, you still want to keep talking about local Syracuse recruits? Because there's another one potentially,
0: uh, coming this way. 30-second uh, 30 30 second timeout before we do that. Because, Andy, you're wearing and that shirt, I was just scrolling through Twitter. Great headline from the Post-Gazette. Records show that the Pirates payroll was often covered by ticket and food sales.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I already, I already angry tweeted about that. Uh, just we could, we will get to that in the uh, in the end of the show because man, I can go on a baseball rant with you guys about that. Um, first, we're going to talk about local Syracuse recruits because Quincy Ballard uh, from Syracuse, New York, is enter has entered the transfer port pro, uh, the transfer portal. Uh, He is a 7-foot, 240-pound center, went to Florida State, um, did not get a lot of playing time with a coach who routinely plays a lot of guys, specifically 7-foot centers. So he's looking for a new opportunity, and Syracuse is hosting him. Again, I think that there's a lot of different ways to look at this, and I just want to remind everybody that the dude probably lives, like, 20 minutes away from campus, and him visiting could literally just be him rolling up, chatting with GMAC. He's already done the recruiting pitch once. Uh, It might not be a situation where he's the Orange's top choice, but it's nice to know that he's there, because, again, he only played four minutes a game with a coach who routinely wants to play guys a lot, specifically seven-foot centers. Um... That's that. I just I, I, just want to keep saying that every time somebody mentions that Ballard could be the answer for this team's forward depth. Yeah, and he,
1: he yeah. To, to flesh it out, he played at Henniger 17-18 uh, and then uh, played prep down in North Carolina at Quality Education Academy um, doing a, a senior season and a grad year down there. Um, so he's from Syracuse. He grew up up here. Apparently, according to his Florida State page, he has no idea about uh, New York State geography because he mentions that the mountains of New York State are in the West. So uh, as someone from said mountains, oh. I can confirm that is not in the West. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to chalk that up to an intern at Florida State screwing something up and not Quincy himself. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, is it, are, are we talking Samir Torrance all over again? Like, bring all the boys home, or what are, what are we doing here?
0: It's uh, uh huh. um <laughs> exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really all you can say about it. Really, <laughs> is that is that um I think Kevin put it in, like in a Slack or James, one of the two. You hope this is a more of a need than a want move. Right. Um, and by that we mean like it's more of a okay. We just need something to help. Right, we need a body. We need a body, yeah, and, and experience as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, four minutes a game isn't a lot, but it's more than zero. Um, so <laughs> which is what our current and, depth is working with, exactly. So it's it's got to be more of a okay. This is. This is something we just need now, just to fill. I'm not like, yes, this is our guy. This is the person we exactly, exactly want. Right. Uh, because just based on the track record at Florida State, like Andy said, a guy who plays for a guy who plays a lot of guys. Um, that sentence didn't flush out correctly, but whatever. <laughs> um, it,
1: it may not have flushed out correctly, but it is dead nuts on. Like, Yeah. Leonard Hamilton plays every one. I think he goes like 11, 12 deep.
0: At least 11. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So that's what we're talking as far as how many people are involved in this rotation that he cracked for four minutes a game.
2: Right. And, And again, it's not even a situation where he couldn't crack the rotation because they were thick at that one spot like he's in the position group that hamilton specifically wants to rotate guys in for 10 minutes a night at because when you have a bunch of rested seven footers coming in yeah no wonder florida state's always so good defensively around the ramp like it makes a ton of sense Mm -hmm. and I i do think that again maybe it's just a change of scenery that this kid needs to fully unlock his potential that was around the first time around when he chose florida state Um, Like, obviously, he's a good enough recruit that you don't just go to Florida State by accident. Um, Seven-footers don't grow on trees, so coaches are more likely to give guys with that size a look, as opposed to someone who might need to have more skills on hand to get noticed. But I I do think that there might be... I, I, I think the people who are calling for this move to be the saving grace are probably being a bit naive. But, like you guys mentioned, I think this could be a spot where we just need a body. He's local. You know that he'll stick around for a while. And with Torrance, you know, he might—Torrance did not show a ton of flash at the beginning of the season. But by the end there, he kind of he proved himself and proved that uh, he's going to have a rotation spot for next year. So maybe that's the best-case scenario thing that we can hope for, especially with— the hope that Jesse is going to be fully recovered and will uh, stay healthy and lock down the, the five position for most of next year.
0: And Ballard only played 17 minutes in Florida State's three games against Syracuse. Did not play in the first game at Florida State. Played 13 minutes in the second game, although that was mainly due to Florida State having injuries. And only played four minutes in the ECC tournament game when he came on in garbage time and played the final four minutes of the game. So, when you kind of consider how he was used against this year's Syracuse team, kind of shows you why some of us here aren't exactly thrilled that he is choice number one.
2: Yeah. And again, I, I still have hopes that this isn't choice number one, it's just a choice of convenience. Like, if the kid's home, like, if he's in the transfer portal, he's probably sitting at home. And if he's sitting at home, you know, hosting a visit is not, like, this big ordeal thing. It's more of a uh, hey, you know, you want to swing by and uh, see the space and chat a little bit and see if this is going to be a fit. Like I think, I think that is more likely the case, um, but we'll see and we'll find out. You know, that's it. It might just come down to who's available in a, in two months from now, as opposed to who's available right now.
1: Absolutely. So more to come on that. Um, beyond that, in the hoops. Area, we did confirm that we are heading to Hawaii for our preseason tournament of choice. Uh, oh, a...
0: Holy Christ! <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that was, was this the... week. That was this week. Um, so the worst kept secret in all of secrets of Syracuse basketball scheduling is confirmed. Uh, we are now part of the Maui Invitational, which, if I remember right, is like a Murderers Row type lineup this year. Yeah. I oh no, no, we time. are not. We are not in the Maui Invitational for this year. We are in the oh. Maui
0: Invitational. For next, next, year. next year that's what it was yeah, yeah. but also it's still, still murder- the same thing school yes. murderers it's still a murderers row because it's Syri- because it's because the power rankings of this of this of uh, of this group might go Chaminade and then Syracuse yeah. <laughs> and then Marquette because yeah. after that it's UCLA Tennessee Purdue Kansas and Zaga.
1: Yeah, so we're that team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, cool. again,
2: it's 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 two years from now. Who knows what any of those programs are going to look like. We can assume that they're going to be good, but as college basketball has shown, coaches tend to do really stupid things at very short windows, and that can change program outcomes very drastically. With the exception of Bill Self, who has a lifetime contract at Kansas, uh, these, all these schools could look very differently by the time 2023 rolls around. What I think... Is the more important thing to take away from this. There is no way in hell Jim Beheim is not coaching in 2023 <laughs> against this field with a trip to Hawaii on the line. Like, I'm sorry, but like, you are getting this is the Jim Beheim contract extension announcement without the actual
0: announcement. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Syracuse is actually undefeated in the Maui Invitational. That really? probably is going to change. But yes, Syracuse has won every game they've played in the Maui Invitational. So. Huh. Well, mm-hmm.
1: I guess in that case, uh, here's the 23.
2: I just wanted to point out that. Uh... In general, uh, the thanks to James doing the research yes. that no one else would do. Uh, James researched how much it would cost you to go to this tournament. Now, huh. the the thing is, is that because it is in 2023, things are not um, available for this year or for next year. But this years are available, and they require a 500 dollars deposit for a five night stay. Uh, you get you can stay at any of the hotels where the games are taking place place at. Uh, you get shuttles to go to the Civic Center where the games are versus all the different hotels. Uh, you get a pair of sunglasses oh. you know, and a $500 deposit puts you on the uh, hook for a ticket price with all-inclusive resort hotel packages that range from $2,500 per person to $4,000 per person.
0: It's only a reduced price to 1500 fifteen hundred for children. So, Steve, looks like <laughs> you're taking CBS on a vacation.
1: <laughs> I I could go to Disney's overpriced Galactic Star Cruiser Star Wars like immersive thing for the same price. I think we, the hint here is to just go to Hawaii and
2: get tickets to the game yeah. and drive around and lift and drive around yourself.
1: Like so, it, th- so to 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 that point. I have cousins on Maui, so I don't. Mm. Uh, I may not need that CBS reduced price. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so T- Tyler, Alex, I know you're th-
1: not not listening, but I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've I have already had you're
0: sending this podcast to them after this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just wait till the end, guys. Just wait till the end.
2: <laughs> Again, that's the. This is the end part of the show where it's always uh, we get all the fun things come out. No, um uh, the last Syracuse thing before I go into my baseball rant, uh, that I wanted to talk about is that it's officially official and we have not covered this on the show that it's officially official. Both Canada and the US are qualified directly to the World Cup. There's no playoff shenanigans happening, there's no No, we covered um, this last week. Did we did we do the draws and everything last week? Oh as well? no, we didn't do the draws. Yeah. Yes, we didn't do the draws. Yeah, so uh, the you, uh, the reason that we're talking about this with Syracuse is that based off of Steve's research, and I think it's been confirmed now by a few others, no Syracuse alumni has ev- from the soccer program has ever uh, played in the World Cup, which is kind of crazy considering, but it also kind of makes sense. It's like one of those things that's very, you need to be good, but you also need to be good at a very specific time for a very specific type of team. Yep. Um, and... That seems to have happened. Uh, Miles Robinson will all but assuredly, pending injuries, be one of the starting center backs, or at least one of the rotational center backs for the U.S. team. Uh, Tejon Buchanan will be one of the starting attackers for Canada, and Kamal Miller will be one of the starting defenders for Canada. Um, is I believe that's it from the Canada side. I don't think there's yep. anybody else who's yeah. Unless, unless
1: Raposo lights himself on fire this season. Which he's already got a, a goal under his belt, so and yes, that phrasing was quite odd. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. That's also the ESF thing, <laughs> not yeah. not turning a phrase appropriately. Um, but yeah, uh, unless Raposo, you know, uh, bangs down the doors for the national team and is like, "Hey, you need to include me," uh, that's probably going to be it. Because yeah. I don't think and... Mo, I don't think Mo Adams is breaking into the uh, the England squad anytime soon. <laughs> Yes, uh, I was going to say, and the
2: nice thing for um, uh, for Raposo is that, if you did not know, this year's World Cup is not in the summer. Uh, it is in the winter, due to bribery, corruption, and FIFA shenanigans. Uh, so, this year's World Cup is going to basically be taking place over your Thanksgiving break. Uh, and, yes, for those watching the live screen, Christian just walked away because we were talking about a Winter World Cup. I am just as upset as he is, except I will continue narrating this part. <laughs> um, Essentially, the group stage games—the three, you know, where there's four groups uh, in each stage or in each—there's four teams in each group. They all play each other. That will basically take place uh, from early November through Black Friday, and then the knockout rounds that crown the champion will happen in the weeks leading in early December, leading up to Christmas. This is all very weird. I hate all of it. Um, but we should talk about the groups that our Syracuse alumni will find themselves in. Um, So, as someone who admittedly does not pay attention to world soccer at the same level that he pays attention to club soccer, Steve, I'm going to be looking at you for a little bit of breakdown here. Canada finds itself in Group F with Belgium, Morocco, and Croatia. Mm -hmm. Belgium famously has a lot of really good players who are currently playing in the Premier League. Uh, Croatia has one really good player who's been playing there forever and is still playing at a high level. And then I know nothing about Morocco. Canada is probably one of the weaker um, group or qualifying champions in the entire world, but it is kind of a testament to the fact that they were the most consistent team in CONCACAF. So that means something. Um, what do you what What's interesting about this group, and what can we see potentially our Syracuse guys going up against?
1: So uh, you mentioned. Belgium. Everyone kind of knows what they're what they're seeing with Belgium. Um, You know, you're going to get the Lukaku's, the De Bruynes, the Hazards. Uh, I I would assume. I think Vincent Kompany officially retired from everything, so um, at least he won't be out there. But uh, you have a a strong strong national side for years. uh, That is uh, that you know the U.S. saw in the last Cup that they played in, Um, but. Uh, not at the peak of their power like they were. You have uh, Croatia who is uh, aging out. I mean, Luka Modric is, um, 37, 35 or 37, somewhere in there. He's about my age. Uh, you know, uh, Steve is old at the <laughs> 50 minute mark. Um, but yeah, late, late, late time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably close to a new record, but, um, you know that team doesn't have a whole lot outside of uh, Modric magic. Um, I think the I think Perisic and um, I don't know if Obisovic is still there, but whatever. Um, a team that again is past past their original prime, and then uh, a Morocco team that has uh, you know a couple of names like Ashraf Hakimi and uh, that's. He's kind of their their big name. That's um, kind of about it at this point. Uh, Munir Al Hadadi plays for Sevilla, uh, was potentially a Spain international. Um, so it's it's a it's a, it's an interesting uh, group to be in. They're probably Morocco is probably the weakest of the three they're going to face. Um, and oh, uh, the Chelsea fan in me is killing me. Hakim Zayek is also uh, Moroccan. So, oh. there's you know there's some some name recognition there, but it's not uh, not to the degree that uh, you know a Belgium would be. Uh, it's going to be a tough group for them to get out of, but it's a pretty pretty well. Um, I, I think the parody in the group is pretty uh, pretty apparent. So we'll uh, we'll see how they can do to get out of that, and you know maybe they maybe they surprise. I would I would really like to see Canada surprise out of that
2: group. I don't think that there's going to be too many people picking them. I think Croatia, Croatia and Belgium are going to be the two favorites um to come out of that group. Um so yep. It's going to be an uphill it's going to be an uphill climb for them, um which kind of stinks, but it should be exciting matchups uh for them to begin with or for them in the in the tournament either way. Uh for the US, if you did not hear, the US is in group B with England, Iran and the winner of a euro playoff who is going to be one of the Ukraine, oh sorry, Ukraine, Scotland or who am I forgetting? Wales. Wales.
1: So currently um, so, Wales has qualified for that last spot in the euro playoff. Scotland, nope. Yeah, Scotland and Ukraine <laughs> are playing in June followed closely by the final playoff spot. So uh, it won't be until June that we find out who that last seed in the, mm-hmm. the group will be. Yeah, so I
2: don't think it makes sense to talk about all three of those clubs. All you need to know is that Wales has the big name. Ukraine and Scotland are probably the better overall teams, but like that's pretty subjective. And there's an argument that Wales, you know, also has some solid guys. But yeah, I think I think in general that's that's my yeah. vibe on the situation. Um, I
0: feel like I feel like Ukraine and Wales have better attacks. And Scotland has a better defense. I want to see so Scotland all day.
1: I don't think yeah, I yeah. will see Scotland, but I want to see Scotland all day. I do not want I mean, Scotland, Bale and Aaron Ramsey running at our defense. I was going to say Scotland
2: and United States, both in a group against England. This could be funny because England might just be the recipient of your former colonies are pissed at you and channeling that into soccer, which, you know, always fun. Always yeah. fun if you like to root against England in that manner. But let's talk about real quickly. um, I, sorry, uh, Iran and England. Starting with Iran, I know nothing about them. I think most people are projecting them to finish last in the group. Um, But they qualify for the World Cup,
1: and that means that they're not terrible. Yeah, Yeah. Iran's a weird one because they well well they're not the most notable again you know much like we said with Morocco with Morocco although even even less so than Morocco um there's really not a name in the squad that jumps at you um however uh it's it's a team that has i think i can't remember if they beat or drew the US in 98 uh like they they play uh, they definitely play up to the tournament um so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do. Like, yes, they are far and away going to be the lowest, quote unquote, seeded of the four teams in that pool. But I, I would not look over them because it seems like that's happened in the past and um, is not a great idea. No.
2: Um, and Christian, Miles is going to have his hands busy uh, against England, who the United States was always going to play a really good team because they were in the second group of drawed teams. So the first group is all of the good teams and Qatar, who is hosting the tournament. And Portugal uh, somehow. And, yeah, exactly. So there was always the US was always going to have one really good team in their group. They drew uh, England, which, if you both did not see this already, that game is confirmed for Black Friday at 2 p.m. So. Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian, England's really, really good, because not just because they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of young talent. They're doing the thing that the U.S. is also doing, which is building around a young core with some really solid veterans coming in and out of the squad with a little bit more flexibility. But the core of the attack,
0: the core of the defense, basically the spine of the team, are some of the
2: best young players in the world.
0: I do think there is a weakness in this England team. I think it is the center backs. I think you can attack the center backs of England, which is going to mean that you hope Gio Arena gets healthy because, great, he has suffered another hamstring injury over the weekend. And um, you, so it's probably... It was, if he's healthy, then he plays a pivotal role at setting the ball at the middle. It's probably Pulisic up at, at striker, or if he's on the wing, then it's probably like Jordan Morris or... Jesus Ferreira or something like that. So Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm assuming by then it'll be either Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Pifak, or um, Ricardo Pepe if he starts coming yes. for
0: Augsburg. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think that's the area where the United States has an advantage, is that no. the strikers can, can beat the center backs. True.
1: Now the only downfall is that, well, Harry Maguire may play like a bag of wet rice for you he plays lights out for the national team (laughs) and i don't understand how or why
0: i would like to figure that out as well
1: (laughs) (laughs) now the other thing that isn't a horrible concept is that uh, jordan pickford for the ever so lovely everton this year um you know it, it (laughs) it hurts me to watch super frank almost uh Uh, be in a relegation battle. But uh, if we can put some shots on Pickford, he has not looked the greatest this year.
0: Yeah, it just requires putting shots on Pickford. Manchester United.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't actually mean to be that a double up, but it worked out as a double up.
2: (laughs) Listen, my team just lost to Brighton, so
1: I have no leg to stand yeah, but
0: on. Yeah, in the relegation battle.
1: <laughs> we lost Brighton
0: by th- next year.
1: Che- Chelsea lost by is... four goals to Brentford. So, um, who is also not in the relegation battle? But uh, fair. But yes, yeah, uh, but yeah, yes. Uh, uh, I digress. I'm glad we got to. The, say, the I'm glad other... we got to do like a legit soccer th- a soccer preview here. Who, who's the third team? Oh, we don't know yet. Yeah. Never mind. Um. Uh, but yeah I, yeah, I would see I would see the U.S. probably on paper, depending on what Wales does, being the uh, two seed coming out of that group. Um, however, you know, you can flip a coin between any of those three playoff teams and what the U.S. will do. Uh, so it'll be it'll be pretty well balanced, and even with England, should be relatively balanced. Um, the the yeah, like you said, having a a legit soccer conversation comes in handy uh i do want to before we leave give a plug for something that was extremely fun that i did this week yeah talk be, about it uh if you have ever had a desire to be a college football coach on the recruiting trail and you also happen to enjoy board games uh envelopes of cash i finally after a year and change have got to demo it with the creator andy schwartz um really really fun and this is not in any way a paid advertisement it's just a joy to play um so a little little uh little long on the teach but once it clicked it turns into a a real real intriguing uh board game so i think i think the goal ultimately will be uh, at some point in the off season here to get some of the Noonsigans on and uh try and do a live stream of it because we do have access to the uh electronic version of the game because i uh I may or may not have liked it enough to kickstart it. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we should be. I would say check it out. Check out Envelopes of Cash wherever uh, wherever your Kickstarters are kickstarted.
2: Yeah, I I am definitely intrigued by this game. I'm a big fan of these types of strategy games, if only because um, the elements of randomness that are and like it seems like this game has it, where there's a clear strategy to success. The problem is is that it very much depends on randomness and like your Choice of starting and your starting hand, which is great because it's not a situation where um, it feels so random that it's out of control and doesn't make any sense. Yep. Um, so I, in general, I think that this is a really fun thing that we're definitely going to do some point in the offseason because I already miss college football. I already miss NCAA football recruiting like this is this right. is about as close as we're going to get until that new game gets uh Developed by EA, which I guess, I think I remember seeing Matt Brown in his newsletter saying, we're probably not getting a new NCAA game until 2026 at the earliest, based oh, off geez. of development schedules. Yikes. Yeah, like, well, one, EA, shocker. Um, but yeah, based off of the development schedules that they have for these games um, and the new NIL uh, land that they kind of have to navigate, there's no way to bulk or Because that's what they used to do, is that they used to just bulk order the rights through the three companies that hold every collegiate licensing, right? right. Like it's Learfield, IMG, and whatever. Um, you can't do that anymore. You have to do that at an individual level now. And so that's going to be, uh, that in itself is going to take years to sort out.
1: So if that's the case, does, and we're, we're off the rails at this point, Does yeah. does IMG and or Learfield and or whoever reinvent themselves as that middleman? of like for these bulk licensing deals to redistribute or like i i'm very curious how they'll re um you know recalibrate themselves as uh someone in that space because they're going to have to well i again we're going to go off the rails a little bit here but there was an article yeah, we're, we're over the f- mile we're over the hour mark we can go off the rails wherever we feel like
2: Okay. Yes. So I was I, I was reading something and I forget if it was in a newsletter or if it was like a news story um, kind of a thing, but it was talking about how with NIL th- moving forward, there's talk of trying to do those kinds of bulk deals where essentially you've got agents who are doing like, you know, how in sports uh, with professional sports, there's agents who basically work bulk deals for all their clients uh, yeah. looking at you, Scott Boris and baseball, how that would work at a school level. And the issue that they're running into is that schools that jumped into NIL early already have individualized deals with specific companies. So for Syracuse example, we have a deal with Influencer. And so then you add in states like Georgia, California, Texas that have their own state-specific laws on top of that. You get to a situation where like the middleman doesn't make much financial sense because of all the people who have to get paid Uh, who have to get their cut. So in order for you to meet the minimum amount of money that you need to pay to get to the school, you're paying so much more for the cut. So that's why it just makes sense to go to the schools directly. That being said, in true NCAA fashion, now that money is being taken away from them in hypothetical scenarios, schools are interested in streamlining the process. So there there was speculation that all of these conversations would lead to more NIL legislation that would essentially streamline the process for schools to allow them to take a larger chunk of the money coming from advertisers.
1: Huh. Uh. <laughs> yes. So I, I know I asked the question, but now I didn't want to know the answer after hearing that. That, uh, yeah.
2: God. The, the issue is that for everybody involved, and like Steve and Christian, both of you understand this intimately, uh, higher ed just moves so slow. So, oh, like, when you're talking. Yeah. So,
1: so Uh-oh, when you're talking
2: about, yeah. so when you're talking about something like this, where like there's a video game development schedule that needs to be hit, and EA is trying to get 150 licenses uh, at like a minimum on board, the whole thing is just moving so slow um, that that's why they're saying that by the time they get into a year with all of the rights, we're probably looking at 24 um before this is all settled from a legal standpoint and once it's settled from a legal standpoint then you begin the development and then you do the development the year before the game comes out so that's why we're looking at 26.
1: no it makes sense it just sucks because i really like (laughs) i'm i mean to be fair i'm also the guy that sims the season and coaches the offseason uh so, I guess the the board game like went dead nuts into where 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 my overlap is and where that Venn diagram is um yeah, but uh the the ability to send illicit um envelopes of cash to hold on to a recruit was was quite a, a nice a nice feeling, and I would love to be able to do that in a video game form uh sooner than twenty six
2: I would like to do that as well, but for now, we're going to have to settle for uh saying goodbye to all of you because we are past the hour and i need to walk my dog uh and this is when i do all of the fun goodbye things which is thank you for listening to this if you're listening to this on a podcast for uh consuming app of your choice please rate us review us give us five stars so that way we can trick the algorithm into expanding the ottoman empire if you're watching this on twitch either live or embedded in the article or at a later date on Twitch, thank you for watching us. We really do appreciate it. We always uh, have a fun time doing these and appreciate you joining in on the fun with us. And if you're watching or listening to this on NoonsMagician.com, thank you for being a regular um, listener, reader, consumer of all things NewsMagician. Magician. We all really appreciate it. And it's really cool, the organic support that we have in this community. So thank you again for supporting us at all times. Uh, for Christian... For Steve, for myself, thank you for listening, and go Orange! Go Orange! orange. Oh, that was really well done.